1: What will we do with a drunken sailor, what will we do with a drunken sailor, what will we do with a drunken sailor, and a light in the <laughs> heart, ship, with black sails, that's crewed by the damned. Welcome
0: aboard the Black Pearl.
1: Welcome to the Black Pearl Show. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com.
0: And I'm Heather Artist from BlackPearlMinute.com.
1: Thanks for joining us for Minute 50 of Dead Man's Chest.
0: No problem.
1: You're welcome. I was trying to do something unique.
0: And I screwed it up like normal. And I was just
1: going to have some initial conversation of what we were actually talking about. I was recording the stuff that we talk about before the show, just a little snippet, especially because I ate that Milano cookie. It was like a s'mores <laughs> one, and it really like made my saliva feel like it was a viscosity that was so low.
0: Really? A viscosity? Like,
1: yeah, a viscosity. It was like syrup in my mouth, and I was like barely able to talk. And then I thought, okay, this is a good, like, pre-conversation because people could just go, man, they're talking about some weird cookies and the way his saliva is. And then Heather's jumping in with all the stuff that she's been talking about earlier on. I thought, you know, she'll just uh, do her normal thing and we'll get by. But no, all of a sudden she's, like, so talkative, throwing things out, and, yeah, kind of ruined it. I'm like, well, people aren't going to hear that stuff being recorded. Now look what she did. Now I have to just do the regular opener that we had. And then I had to rehash it because I'm still a little bit bothered by it. I thought, this is something brand new we could do.
0: Maybe you should inform people that's what you're doing.
1: I thought that maybe it would get some interesting conversation when you're not knowing that you're being recorded. But yeah, you know what it did? It ruined it. But anyways, let's let that go. Because you know what happens when we hit minute 50 and it falls on a Friday? Party? No. A, (laughs) we have to do something out of the ordinary, like have some wine or rum. Something we would never usually do. And then, B, we must embrace the no nonsense. It's Friday, time to deliver everyone safely to the weekend. That way, there's plenty of time for horn swoggling. Maybe you could pick up a couple of winches or male winches. What's the male version of a winch? I have no
0: clue. Think
1: about that. A minch? Is it a minch? Maybe.
0: Bestest minch.
1: <laughs> Bestest minch, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like uh, horn swoggling and winching, I guess you could say, or minching.
0: Or minching. Minching sounds weird.
1: Yeah, it does sound weird. You know that's probably something really dirty that we've now just... <laughs> iTunes is going to be like, you guys, what the hell? You guys aren't... Whatever the...
0: Abiding by their yeah, rules? Yeah, abiding
1: by the the standard of being a, say, semi-PG-13 show or whatever you want to call it. No, now we've uh, gone into explicit language. But anyways, so when your coworkers ask what you actually did for the weekend, you can tell them... Hey, the Black Pearl show suggested I hornswoggle my friends for some doubloons and maybe rent their wench or something like that. Everybody wins, right? Yes. In the previous minute, hey mom, the Disney movie's starting. We're so excited. I'll be right there. Just grabbing some popcorn. This should be some wholesome family movie night entertainment. Oh yay, it's Gibbs. Shh, everybody be quiet so we can hear. There's a Beast. Does the bidding of Davy Jones, a fearsome creature with giant tentacles that'll suction your face clean off and drag an entire ship down to the crushing darkness, the Kraken. They say the stench of its breath is—imagine the last thing you know on God's green earth is the roar of the Kraken and the reeking odor of a thousand rotting corpses. Thanks, Disney. Thanks for the nightmares. <laughs> Happy family movie night, kids. <laughs> have dreams, dreams of their of faces. <laughs> yeah, their face being cleaned. Right off their face. <laughs> their face being cleaned right off their face. Yeah, I don't something know. like that. Suction cup right <laughs> off their head or whatever the hell it was. Minute 50 begins with Gibbs finishing his conversation to Will and the motley crew. If you believe such things, Will responds, and the key will spare him that? Now that's the very question Jack once answered. Bad enough to even go visit her. The minute ends with the longboats arriving at their destination. Jack approaches the ladder and turns to his crew. No worries, mates. The Adam and I go way back. Thick as thieves. Nigh in... Dot, dot, dot.
0: Her, she who must not be named.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: But he <laughs> does name her, so how does that work? D- Gibbs does not name oh, her. Oh, Gibbs doesn't Gibbs name her. Gibbs just says yeah, her. Right.
1: It'd be like Harry Potter. Exactly. Jack is like Harry Potter. Because yeah. Jack and Harry Potter aren't afraid to name he who or her shall, her who <laughs> shall not be named. It just seems weird. Because it's I've heard it so many times. He who shall not be named. And then you her, put a her on there. It's she just shall weird.
0: Not be named. just one extra letter.
1: Miss Voldemort. <laughs> Miss but Voldemort. <laughs> you're right. Gibbs and everybody else doesn't they don't want to name names.
0: I'm not sure Tia Dalma would be wanna call would want to be called Miss Voldemort.
1: I'm just saying He's pretty
0: scary looking.
1: He is. But okay, you almost got me sucked into Harry <laughs> Potter talk. How dare you? <laughs> for one thing. Because we were just starting to watch that again. We were going through the series yeah. and Remember, Voldemort looked entirely different
0: in the first movie.
1: Yeah, because he had a freaking nose.
0: Yeah, and then the rest of him he doesn't have a nose.
1: Yeah, so there you go. Just a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out, check out our friends at uh, Harry Potter Minute. <laughs> they probably covered that, and I just don't remember from their first season. I'm sure they did, probably, or maybe they didn't. I don't know because it's a movies by minute. How could you compare ahead of time? You have to... that's okay. true. I have to remember the other season. Which I haven't quite got to all of it yet, so maybe that's on the agenda now. See, now look what you did. You caused a whole Harry Potter thing. I Anyways, what do you think of the pace? We seem to settle things down a bit with the Pantano River excursion here. It's a nice slow boat ride. But what about the pace?
0: It's very reminiscent of the ride. It really brings you back to the ride. It does bring you back to the ride. And going through the bayou. Yeah. I mean, they've got the lightning bugs...
1: Or fireflies,
0: whatever you want to say.
1: I have something on that, by the way. Oh,
0: really? Awesome. And, you know, all the plants. You even see a huge iguana out there.
1: Yeah, what are you, trying to take all my material? (laughs) You're going to reduce the material I have, because my voice just cracked again, like Bobby (laughs) Brady style. But you're going to reduce what I have, all this information, into like one sentence. And then you're going to be done, and we're going to go, well... Keep the horns swoggling to a minimum.
0: I'm just saying that when you're going through, because you're actually, it's like you're going through this bayou.
1: You are going through the bayou. Along with
0: them, you know? And it's so much like the ride.
1: Well, okay. I got stuff on that, but I have to address the pace first in this other weird manner. Because I got stuff on everything you just said. But you reduced it into like this boiling pot of reduced chicken. There's something that you put in the (laughs) pot. It's like you've made a reduction of a chicken Chicken carcass or something. Is that to say chicken carcass? Like some kind of old school thing or something. Anyways, okay. I actually like the change of pace. We ended Pelagosto with an escape. We had some heavy negotiating between Will and Jack on the Black Pearl again. Sailors fighting over a wedding dress. Well, that's typical. Typical sailor behavior.
0: And now it's... Typical sailor behavior.
1: And now it's the finale to some of that action where it's like we're settling in for some plot development. Which is exciting. Plot reveals. Oh, oh, we're actually going to move forward in things. Be careful there. I got a little excited. I did. A little
0: too excited.
1: (laughs) Not that excited. (laughs) How dare you. Seriously. What the hell is with that?
0: (laughs) You're the one that's making the sound effects.
1: I'm not even going to touch that. (laughs) With a... Wooden Be pole. Be careful what you say there. <laughs> yeah, with a wooden pole. <laughs> but we ease into it because we got the Gibbs bedtime story. Yeah, right? It's like right? a riveting tale of crack and action in Davy Jones.
0: His tone of voice here and the whole scene just totally works together.
1: Yeah, I think it works too. Though it keeps us from running from like one element to the other by having this change of pace. So it creates like a wave of action as opposed to... Going and going. So it's like we get peaks and troughs of like action. Yeah. it's action, it's not action, action. As opposed to just like we're in some kind of Keanu Reeves speed movie here. Just the bus is out of control and all hell's breaking loose.
0: Yeah. It gives us, well, it adds to the emotion and the drama within the movie.
1: Yeah. You know, it
0: brings you up and down along with the whole movie.
1: Yeah. And that's what I want. Rather than just
0: being at the high the whole time.
1: Yeah. Exactly. I agree. About time. The good news in this minute is we get some bats, actually. We don't see the bats, but this is going back to the other episode, because there's definitely bat action here. Not like bat nipple (laughs) action that you brought up. It's audio bat action. Real bats. It's more like traditional bat sounds, not like these squeals and these high-pitched sounds that we heard, which actually I still need to verify. I need to go back and check that out, that Scooby-Doo style stuff. This is more of the clicks that bats make. That whole echolocation thing. Yeah. You know, uh, science. Yes. Science kind of thing. Besides bats and other jungle river sounds, because we do get the kitchen sink here this whole time, we've gotten all kinds oh, of sounds. Yeah. Which, trust me, jungles and forests and things like that, they can be noisy. So How it's do you not, know? I've been there. And it's not like this isn't that situation. So, throwing the whole kitchen sink in there is appropriate. Oh, yeah. But let's just say it. We have fireflies, like you were saying. Finally, a real authentic tribute to Pirates of the Caribbean ride. The yeah. fireflies, the bayou, all of that. That's what I remember most from my early, early days on the ride. Waiting for the boat to take you out on the pirate adventure. Well, the bayou gave you that ambiance with the fireflies here. That's just seared into my mind. Yeah. And now we get it. Yeah. And that's what I like about it. It's awesome. Because it is that slow pace, like you were saying. It is that initial ride before you get to the action again in Pirates of the Caribbean ride. It's like a, oh, this is a nice, gentle ride. We're going to see a guy playing banjo music and, you know, that kind of Uh stuff. And you're going through the shacks and all these other cool little things. Fireflies blinking around. A
0: peaceful, peaceful time.
1: I mentioned it in the other episode, too. But this is an incredible reference to, I think... What everybody probably remembers about the ride, though, because that's when you first get on it. That's your first part of the experience of the ride. Yeah. And it doesn't disappoint. Plus, we get the foliage, the shacks. This is like bringing me back to that old days of thinking about it. and yeah. th- And that's what, it's, what I think is nice about it. Everything seems rather calm. Yeah, you got a bunch of jungle noises and sounds, but they're actually calming sounds.
0: Oh, it's yeah, it's peaceful.
1: Did you see the blatant death, though, in the minute? If we're talking about peace, then we have the blatant death that happened. No. Something died in this minute. What? Yeah, did. Died. That Fire firefly gets eaten by the iguana. Oh, really? Yeah. Do we need an actual moment of silence for the firefly? That's what I want to yes, know. Yes, we do. That's what I thought. By the way, I actually did check if fireflies are found in Cuba, since we are in Cuba, because we did kind of establish that. And? Yeah, they are. Oh, cool. Yeah. I thought, oh, I'm going to catch them on something here. No. Because I thought, oh, I could really get into some firefly action and bring it up about how they're not and stuff. But, yeah, there's actually like a Cuban firefly kind of deal. And
0: are fireflies and lightning bugs the same? Yeah. Are they?
1: Yeah, I have some stuff on that, which is surprising you ask. Anyways, first of all, for those who are maybe firefly impaired, they're winged beetles. Yeah, like Californians. (laughs) They're winged beetles, commonly called fireflies or lightning bugs, for their conspicuous use of bioluminescence during twilight to attract mates or prey. Fireflies produce a cold light with no infrared or ultraviolet frequencies, which is interesting. Yeah. From a science perspective. Yeah. I actually used bioluminescence when I was in my old days before wildlife conservation. I was in the lab. We used bioluminescence.
0: What would you use it for?
1: All kinds of cool things. But we actually took what was called firefly luciferase, the gene, and you could then, let's just say, incorporate it into the DNA of a particular cell line. And then the cell line would be able to exhibit and produce the light flashes like fireflies do. So you can have a cell line that's flashing, cells, tissue samples flashing just like fireflies.
0: Well, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. But nobody wants to hear about biotech here. Are you sure? This is pirate action. But when you were young, what did you call them? Did you call them fireflies or lightning bugs since you brought it up? Fireflies. Did you?
0: We've actually had this conversation before.
1: On the show? Did no. Did we have it on the show? No, or this I think just we've had
0: this conversation in general.
1: I was a lightning bug dude. Really? Yeah. My first experience actually seeing lightning bugs or fireflies. I call them fireflies now because I've graduated from lightning bugs. It was actually when we visited my grandparents in Chicago and I thought it was the craziest thing.
0: Did your grandparents call them lightning bugs?
1: That I don't remember. Huh. Because yeah like you said we didn't have these crazy light up bugs here in California.
0: No and you know I've always lived here so.
1: Well, come on. So have and the I. first
0: time I've Wait, 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 wait. First time I've actually ever seen them was... How many years ago? When we went to Washington.
1: Maybe 2009. Yeah. Somewhere around there. So... Washington, D.C., yeah. by the way.
0: Yeah. Sorry. I didn't clarify.
1: But that doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't... You can still well, yeah. refer to it. Because if you go on the ride, what are you just saying, Hey, Mom, look at those light up crazy things. No. No, I'm sure I
0: did fireflies.
1: Okay. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It doesn't matter where necessarily you're from. It matters where your parents are from because they're the ones who tell you what they are. Right. There was actually a study that showed there was regional differences with what people called fireflies across the United States. Burt Bowe, a linguistics professor at the University of Cambridge, asked 10,000 Americans around the country that question and others relating to regional dialects. If you use firefly and lightning bug interchangeably, you're in good company, though, because across the United States... 39.8%, Thirty-nine point eight percent. Let's just say forty percent of respondents report using both terms kind of interchangeably. Oh, really? Yeah. Thirty percent say firefly exclusively, and twenty-nine percent say lightning bug. It's pretty. It's pretty dang close. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, point oh two percent, and that was two people out of the entire study. The study of ten thousand called the bioluminescent bugs peeny wally. Oh, really? Yeah. And Peenie I didn't wallies. even look up what peeny wallies was, but yeah. Two people out of 10,000 called them peenywallies for some reason.
0: Do you know where those people were from?
1: I do not. Wow. Well. And the map shows people on the West Coast typically use Firefly. As you get into the area near, say, Kansas and between Illinois, it's both. Then there's this hot spot with lightning bug that's kind of surrounding Missouri, Illinois, and stuff like that. And that's for lightning bug action. And then you start to get back into the East Coast with its Firefly. It's kind of a rough thing. But it's weird. We said lightning bug, even though I'm a Californian. You said firefly. I
0: said firefly.
1: Like I said, it's probably handed over from parents and stuff like that who tell you what they are.
0: Yeah. Well, like I said, your 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 grandparents are from Chicago, right? Yeah. So maybe that's they they
1: no we didn't no that wasn't an interaction no trust me my mom. Your mom Most,
0: calls them lightning bugs. Because it's not
1: like I called up my gramps when I'm sitting in. No, I mean because when Caribbean. you were visiting there, yeah, but I had already been to Disneyland way ahead of time. Oh. So it's not like I held off and nobody said, "Hey, those are lightning bugs or fireflies." My mom had probably pointed them out when it came up, or through books or whatever the heck it is. Maybe it's books. Maybe books that you were kid books. Why are we talking about this now?
0: Well, my mom grew up. My mom grew up in New York, so she had fireflies. Okay so she called called them fireflies so
1: well then there you go maybe that's what it is that's probably what it is she taught you what they were there you go like i said we're already on cuba but we get an iguana here and it looks like actually a green iguana cuz there's black stripes mm-hmm. on the tail like really
0: oh yeah it looked like a normal defined
1: black stripes yeah and i believe this might actually be an invasive species here in cuba an that's introduced not surprising. iguana it's possible i'm not entirely sure i didn't really get into that much of the research but yeah An invasive species on an island? Come on, that's uh, normal these days. Yeah. The native iguana is actually the Cuban rock iguana. Oh, really? Doesn't really have that defined band on its tail. No, it does. It has other banding, some distinct banding, but not on the tail like that. And many consider the Cuban rock iguana to be the most impressive iguana species due to its size. Iguanas say size doesn't matter. Something like that. And the Cuban rock iguana says, oh, yes, it does.
0: They get baked?
1: Yeah, Bigger cub- than
0: regular green iguanas? Reaches Iguatas? four to
1: five feet and can weigh up to 15 pounds.
0: That green iguana's got that no, big. They can
1: get up to like six feet two or something. I'm just telling you what the Cubans think of them. Okay. Hey, if you want to take iguana from the poor Cubans, not that they're poor, I just said... Uh, I'm trying job. to rehash that. Send all your hate mail to Heather. Address it uh, Cuban hatred or something like that, I guess. But these iguanas can be dark gray or brown and they do have some noticeable banding, but not on the tail like that green iguana has okay and this group is one of the most endangered species of lizards in the world although the cuban iguana the one on cuba is not technically considered endangered but the in general the species is because it suffers from habitat loss and predation from non-native species like domestic cats dogs and pigs much like like everywhere (laughs) when you have domestic cats and feral dogs and feral cats and feral pigs and wild pigs yeah, they're destructor animals. Oh, yeah. Destructor or destructor. Destroy. Whatever. But I think we have the green iguana destructive. here. That's a, destructive. Thank you. It's like I'm reverting back to making up words. <laughs> and This one is actually native to Central, South America, and the Caribbean. Usually this animal is simply called the iguana. That's the most common one you yeah. see. Yeah. And the Green Iguana ranges over a large geographic area from southern Brazil and Paraguay as far north as Mexico and, like I said, the Caribbean islands. Here's an interesting story, though, about our friend the Green Iguana. Okay. In the aftermath of Hurricane Lewis and Hurricane Maryland in 1995, a raft of uprooted trees carrying 15 or more Green Iguanas landed on the east side of Anguilla, an island where Green Iguanas had never been recorded before. Okay, these iguanas were apparently accidentally caught up on the trees and rafted 200 miles across the ocean from Guadalupe. Wow. Yeah, where green iguanas are actually an indigenous species. An examination of the weather patterns and ocean currents indicated that the iguanas had probably spent three weeks at sea before arriving on the island. Jeez. And this colony began breeding on the new island within two years of its arrival. And then in February 2012, the government of Puerto Rico proposed that the island's iguanas, which were said to have a population of 4 million and considered to be a non-native nuisance, to be eradicated and sold for meat. Yeah, meat.
0: Care for some iguana meat?
1: Yeah, I maybe want some iguana meat. Oh. Wow. So Actually, I prefer my iguana on a stick. <laughs> street meat. Iguana street meat. Is that the new episode title then? Yeah. Street I- meat.
0: Iguana street meat.
1: Iguana street meat. <laughs> Because they should probably hit up Pelagosto, though. Not only would the natives be interested in the meat, but it'd be like a treat for them. It's like, oh, great. We could have a god in iguana form before roasting them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Then everyone
1: wins except the iguanas. Yeah. I don't even know how to transition to...
0: From iguana meat?
1: Yeah, from iguana street meat. How do you even get out of that? I have no clue. Now, if I was a voodoo dude, (laughs) would I eat iguana street meat? That's the transition. Or would i just hang out in the the river the bayou area the river. jungles of cuba what do you make of the creepy voodoo dudes just hanging around the trees
0: they're kind of creepy actually
1: well oh, i just said creepy what did you think about him you can't just say what i they're said creepy didn't i just say you can't say what i said literally 2 seconds ago
0: <laughs> i don't know what come else come up to with say another with adjective there get spooky. out your thesaurus okay
1: spooky well you're a you're a real dictionary over there i guess
0: Why are they just hanging out in the trees there? That's
1: what I'm not sure. It's like
0: they are not doing anything. They're just watching.
1: Voodoo security guards. Yeah, that's something you don't want. That would remind me of Beetlejuice when that guy shrinks his head. That's what I would imagine a voodoo security guard doing. (laughs) Maybe that's the title of the episode: Voodoo Security Guard. I don't know what the title is. Voodoo dudes, iguana street meet. We got all kinds of stuff going on here. But yeah, they're gonna shrink somebody's head as they're going by. (laughs) They're just watching. There needs to actually be a no loitering sign. Seriously, no creepy dude loitering. No voodoo loitering here. (laughs) And those voodoo guys, they just make everything uneasy. And I think it's even uneasy for Jack. And we can get into like the Tia Dalma thing when we actually see her and meet her. Yeah. But it seems to me Jack is calming the nerves of his crew. Or he's thinking he is. But in reality, he's like trying to calm his own nerves. Right. So he's pretending to calm their nerves, but he's really doing it for himself. Because he has that uneasy smile on his face. It's the classic, I don't believe what I'm saying, and it's really obvious if you're paying attention.
0: That's what I have in my notes. Who believes Jack when he says no worries? Tia Dalma and I go way back. Thick as thieves.
1: Exactly. The crew? Okay, they're maybe a bit spooked thanks to Gibb's colorful story. But Jack is the concerned one here. He's pumping up his confidence. Like you said, yeah, we go way back. We're thick as thieves. Jack. Okay. First, let me say this. Damn it, Jack. This is another scorned woman. It's, it sounds like you got going on here. It's like you screwed things over again. Better start playing the long game actually with women, Jack, because you're burning too many bridges from what it sounds like.
0: The long game, huh? Uh, yeah.
1: And maybe the burning fire below from the long game. Maybe he shouldn't be playing the long game. Don't burn bridges. Don't play the long game. Yeah, no, whatever. He has a knack for ticking off women all over the world. Think future seriously he's got to think about the future yeah but thick as thieves and that's and i think well okay before i get to thick as thieves jack really is selling this though. i i think he just really does a superb job with his acting chops here yeah because he's delivering a line and with his facial expressions and his mannerisms it's saying something completely different yeah and that's what i think works here because you can see it this is relatable to anybody yep Anybody who lies a lot. Like Heather. Like Scott. So that's what I think is going on here. And that's what Gore and Ted and Terry... I didn't look it up in the script, but I am assuming that's where they wanted to take us with this. Because the crew doesn't know. Okay, Gibbs knows. Something's up. He already mentioned it to Will.
0: Well, he just calls her her.
1: Yeah, but the rest of the crew, because she's the woman who should not be named. She... she, Who should not be... That's such a tongue twister for me right now. (laughs) Doesn't roll off the tongue. But that's the point... Everybody else is just along for the ride. Okay, they're at the ready. I know Marty's got his blunderbuss and stuff ready to go. But that's just any good pirate on watch kind of thing. Yeah. And they're in a... Come on. They are in a spooky kind of river area. Oh, yeah. Mind you, the creepy voodoo dudes looking at them. That would spook anybody. Spooky voodoo dudes. Yeah. Okay, creepy spooky voodoo dudes. But I found it interesting when he said thick as thieves, though. And it caught my attention. Probably because I could go, history! But I always thought this was a weird saying. It seems like saying thick as thieves is not a good thing to me. They say it like it's a tight thing. Because trust me, from what I've seen, thieves aren't loyal. Right. It's like a pirate. It's the me first playing. But the phrase is actually rather interesting. Mm, kind of. Okay, let's just say it's somewhat interesting. And therefore, I'm going to bring it to You're the You're not lessons.
0: helping your history here hey, very much.
1: I, I know. I'm still going to bring it to them. I could even undersell this. And this thing bored the (laughs) she-eyed out of me. But I'm still going to entertain everybody with it. The association of thieves with conspiratorial and secretive language was well established in England in the 18th century. Many of those on the fringes of society, for example, like poachers and street hawkers and thieves. You know the type, Heather. The ones you hang around with. Use secret words and phrases to converse amongst themselves. You know, they didn't want... The regular upstanding rabble-rousers of society. You know, knowing what they're talking about.
0: Makes sense.
1: And so backslang was one example of this. And the best known survival of backslang being yob, which was boy. It's just boy spelled backwards. Huh. It's like uh, the invention of pig Latin. Some thief thought, no, they'll never decipher this. (sighs) We'll say it backwards. (laughs) Which is backslang. So there you go. Backslang. Boom. And several lexiconographers, or lexicographers, or whatever the hell it's called, had published dictionaries used by those of the wrong side of the law, notably the New Dictionary of the Terms Ancient and Modern of the Canteen Crew in
0: 1698. Canteen? Like,
1: Star Not Wars Canteen? No. Canteen, as in canteen no okay that's canteen, canteen.
0: <laughs> can't tell ladies sing this song do-dar, I, no no singing do-dar. no
1: singing the canting crew were the various vagabonds and coney catchers you know con men that inhabited the streets of british cities and the dictionary explained how to decipher the language of the tribes of gypsies beggars thieves cheats as we said you know your folk heather yep so that people could secure their money and preserve their lives so they wouldn't get ripped off you actually had to get a dictionary at the time I'm going out in society. Uh, where's my uh dictionary? My canting dictionary. Urban dictionary. Yeah. Now it's called the urban dictionary, uh-huh. exactly. Uh, but canting dictionary with ancient yeah, okay, whatever.
0: It sounds better.
1: Thick was first used to mean closely allied with in the 18th century. So that's why thick, closely allied, which is what we think of. Thick as thieves, okay. But given that these were established as being thick by the late 17th century, it is surprising that as Thick as Thieves didn't emerge until a century or so later. It wasn't a 17th century deal or even an 18th century deal. Uh, maybe, as far as I know. But maybe I do have that information. Because records at the Old Bailey, which list transcripts of cases held there since 1674, and which might just be the place to find this phrase. Because, come on, in the court in the Old Bailey, Thick as Thieves had to have come up. It doesn't actually list that phrase until 1874. Oh, really? Yeah. It seems like it would be an older phrase. Yeah. And the first example found in print is from the English newspaper, The Morning Chronicle, in a letter dated March 1827, and it was published in February of 1828. And it said, Bill, Morris, and me are as thick as two thieves. Huh. First uh, potential recorded instance of the use of the phrase. But 1800s. So I think we have ourselves another instance of a Pirates of the Caribbean crew member, actually Jack Sparrow this time, coining a phrase.
0: I need like a little cheer or something every time this happens.
1: We should do a cheer. Yeah. So the next time this happens, we'll come up with a like a hurrah. Yeah. You know, the crowd going wild. Or maybe we'll have it this time. And then it'll be like some weird back to the future thing. Because you'll hear the hurrah and then we'll be talking about it later. (laughs) It'll be weird. I'm sorry about that. But yeah. That's how the recorded show goes. Other than that. Thick as thieves, Voodoo, Creepy, Spooky Dudes, Iguana Street Meat. Yeah. Come on. You
0: can't forget about the Iguana Street Meat. I don't
1: know. That's got to be almost the title. You know, yeah. I really was thinking Voodoo Dudes, but no, Iguana Street saying, Meat, Yeah, it's got to be it. Yeah. And because A, it'll get people hungry for the weekend. <laughs> they're going to be like, boss, I got to take that? off early. I got to get some Iguana Street Meat. <laughs> we could actually have this trending on Twitter. People all over the country will be going, uh, maybe we need some Iguana Street I need
0: Meat. need my Iguana Street Meat.
1: You need it now? Now that's a song. I need I need my- me. It's like uh, going back to the good old 80s, the early 80s with I want my MTV, but now it's I want my Iguana Street Meat. <laughs> I want my Iguana Street Meat. Now, if I really only had time to record something like that, I'd actually do it, but you know... I actually got a lot going on and I'm just damn sleepy. <laughs> so you guys are all saved out there because otherwise I seriously would be recording iguana street meet and I'd I'd at least put together and write like the chorus to that. But damn it, no. I'm on a deadline and I gotta get going. So <laughs> yeah, you guys just missed out. But maybe we'll we'll end on some I want my MTV maybe, just so you can get the feel of it. And in your mind
0: You'll know it's iguana Street Meet.
1: Exactly. You'll go iguana Street Meet. So we'll be back on Monday, unless you have something else, Heather. Nope, that's it for me. Yeah, you're hungry, huh?
0: I am. I'm to go eat now.
1: You want your iguana street meat? Yep. So we'll be back on Monday with minute 51 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, skellywags, let's keep the horns swoggling and the street meat eating to a minimum. Please. That's just safe weekend advice. Yeah.
0: You don't want st- to be getting sick over the weekend. Is
1: street meat actually a euphemism for a winch? That's what I want to know.
0: I hope not. Hey,
1: It could be. I'm going to go eat some uh, street meat. <laughs> That's just wrong. We already established That's that. That's just wrong. We already established that Apple is going to revoke our uh, family-friendly show. We're now explicit. That's just wrong. Okay. Street meat. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, twitter.com slash Men, instagram.com slash Show, soundcloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips, and by all means give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production.